Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Awakening. We've been talking about it a bit here. We've been talking about this, this concept, this topic, awakening. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot. What does it mean to be awakened? What does it mean to be brought into the light? We've heard, heard some amazing messages. Pastor Caleb this morning, Pastor Byron the week uh, last fr- um, Sunday night, Pastor K.A. We've heard some amazing messages around this word awakening. And we've been looking into the book of Ephesians and I've been looking into Paul and his journey and where he was when he wrote this book. And during the week I was doing some studies and, and sometimes it's good to remind ourselves of where the author is at when he's actually writing the, the words that we read in this book. Because you know there's always a backstory to everything and sometimes the backstory is actually powerful truth in itself, amen? Who knows that your backstory can actually be the powerful truth in your life and your backstory can be the power of God in your life and your backstory may look, it may look grim but God can turn that thing around and use it for His good and His purpose and His will. And so I'm looking at the backstory during the week of um, Paul in this book of Ephesians and as I'm looking, I'm reminded that he was indeed imprisoned while he wrote this phenomenal book called Ephesians. And, and while he was imprisoned, this, this, this light, these words, the, the, this, this moment comes where he's, he's, he's putting pen to paper and he's, he's, reading, he's writing something that we would read now all those years later as an inspiration, yet in his moment, he's in prison. He, he's in the dark I don't know about you, but I can imagine a couple thousand years ago, the prisons would be fairly dark without any electricity. They wouldn't be a great place to be. They wouldn't be a great place for the author of this book to be writing this life-giving, life-breathing word. And yet from that place, from that tough place, he produces something that only God could have given him. You may find yourself in a place tonight where your situation seems dire, where, you're, where you feel as if the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but God can produce something in your life that only God can do. He can pull something out of your dirt. He can pull something out of that prison cell. He can pull something out of that potential, that promise, and He can write something that only He can write because He is the author of life. You see, Paul wrote the book, but God spoke it through him. Paul wrote the book, but it was God's words all along. How do we remain connected to the Spirit of God even though we find ourselves in the prison cell? How do we remain connected to the Spirit of God even though we find ourselves in captivity? How do we remain connected to the Spirit of God even though we find ourselves, He was imprisoned for four years because of the message He preached? He was imprisoned for four years and yet He didn't let it stop Him in His mission to bring Christ's reality to earth. You see, I, I love Paul because he was a man who walks with confidence. You just need to read his writings. He had confidence all about him. And I love that in the very start of this book, it says in Ephesians, the intro is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he writes, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts it off. I love that he starts and says, grace and peace to you. He says, uh, sometimes thinking about this just um, before, sometimes we try to have peace, but we, we don't have grace. And this world is, is surging for peace. They're searching for peace, and yet they haven't found the grace of God. And he says, grace and peace be to you. So maybe tonight if we find ourselves and we're searching for peace, just look for grace. Find grace in Jesus. 
Find grace in, his, in what he did upon that cross. Find grace in what he is doing today in your life. Because if you search for the grace of Jesus, you'll find the peace of Jesus. If you search for his grace, you'll find his, his purpose and his will for your life. But then in verses three to 14, the Bible cuts, cut, ch- cuts it into a chunk for us. There's actually, it's actually one long sentence in the original, in the original literature. And it's like Paul gets to this place and it's the start, of his, in the start of his epistle and he just spews out the goodness of God. It's like he can't contain it any longer and it doesn't matter, grammar doesn't matter anymore. He just needs to get this out of him and he spews it out onto the page. And today it's such an encouragement for me and I'm gonna read it for us and I'm, I hope it says something to us. I hope this speaks something to us because this is literally the first thing that he addresses. He says, Praise be to the one, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us in us through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ in him we were chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we were the first to be to first to put our hope in Christ and might be for the praise of God and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed and were marked in him with the seal the promise Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and our redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. What? He just spews the goodness of God. He just goes, take it. Have this. Let this, let this be the first thing I say. You see, there was a church who laid in crisis of confidence. And he's speaking to a church who is unconfident about who they are and who Jesus is, a Gentile church, a church who was on the out of the Jews. And when he's saying these things, Paul is really doing some theological groundwork right now. He's saying, he's saying yeah, we know the Jews are sons and daughters of the living God. We know that they're on the in crowd with Jesus. They're one of his people. But not just that, even you Gentiles, which is all of us, we should be really happy about that, are too included in His wonderful purpose and plan. And he brings up this this thought around uh, being adopted. And Roman adoption meant that you left completely your family line, that you were literally a new person in sight of the government. That in fact, all of your debts, obligation, job titles, descriptions, qualifications were left behind when you stepped into the new family. 
And sometimes we forget that we have been adopted as sons and daughters into his family. And we think we have to own, we think we have to uh, be consumed by our past, not realizing that that is, that is not even attached to us anymore. There's a disassociation. There's something that we can, we can come into an association with who God has called us to be, the sons and daughters who he has called us to be, and we can disassociate from what we've made. We can disassociate from the debt that we collected. We can disassociate from the things that we think we need. Because I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God. He's saying this from a prison cell. We're adopted. See, I think Paul understood that the church cannot have a crisis of confidence moment. If we start being unconfident about who God has called us to be, we won't fulfill our mission here on earth. If we start being unconfident about what He has called us to be and how He has called us to act, if we start, if we start going, God, is, is that you? And God, I don't know if this is my, this is blah. We start, we, just who God has called you to be is, is right in line with where He is calling you to. And if we truly believe that we are adopted sons and daughters, as we gather in relationship with Him, He will point us into the right direction. And we can remain confident in the fact that we are in His plan, purpose, and will. You see, we can't enter the presence of God unless we have confidence. It says, come into the throne room with confidence. You see, if we don't have confidence, we build walls. See, confident people look up. Unconfident people look down. So you can tell someone who's confident because they will look you in the eye, but an unconfident person will often look, you, look towards the ground. I want to be looking up. I don't want to have my eyes to the ground. I don't want my vision down. I want my vision up to what God has for us. There's a few things I'm confident about tonight from this passage and I love that it's at the start, reminding us it is at the start, before there's an awakening, before there's light, before he talks about anything else. He says, these are all the things that you already are. Be confident. You've been adopted. You've been sealed. You have a promise. You have a purpose. You have a will. You see, I'm confident, number one, the walls are in our mind. Paul's in a physical jail cell. I'm so appreciative that we don't have physical jail cells for Christians in this, in this nation. We should be really appreciative of that fact, that we're not going to jail for preaching the gospel. We will be persecuted in some forms, but we are not going to a physical place. You see, Paul is physically in chains, but it didn't change his motivation for God. Romans 12 verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know what the pattern of the world is? When you get in a situation, you remain in that situation and you possibly die in that situation. When you have that thing over your life, there is no ins, there is no outs, there is just stay there and wait till it's over. You become totally, in, 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 totally embraced by that situation as you totally embrace that situation. And we all know people in our life who say, say these things about themselves and you think, how can you be so misled? 
because you did that one wrong thing, because you, because you position yourself here, you think that you really don't have a future, you think that you don't really have a hope. You see, if we don't believe this, just look at our suicide rates. <laughs> we have a generation that have lost so much confidence because we're trying to find it in all the wrong places. But what we do as a church is sometimes we allow our own walls in our mind to become our prison cell. You see, it's the battle of the mind. Joyce Meyer wrote a really good book, Battlefield of the Mind. You should read it. But she talks about the battlefield in our mind. And you see, sometimes, sometimes what we do is we, we own the situation and we start to build walls around us. We get hurt. We feel anger. We feel resentment. We feel fear. And these, these things all build walls and imprison us and restrict us. But the Bible says don't conform to that pattern. The Bible says don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. You see, Paul could have just sat there like all the other prisoners. I assume that prison, that, that prison would have been filled with people without purpose, without a plan, without provision, and without any guidance. I assume that prison would have been a hopeless place, and yet he produced hope. That prison would have been a place of great sadness, and yet he produced joy. That prison would have been filled with unconfident people in situations and circumstances that they didn't have the answers to, and yet Paul sits there in a situation that he doesn't have the answers to, otherwise he wouldn't be there, and yet he still produced an answer, Jesus. See, we only create walls when we allow them when we allow the things in our minds to control how we're acting in the circumstance. The health battle, the financial situation, the bad reports, it all affects our mind. And if it affects our mind, we start to build walls. And guess what, church? The enemy's not after your light because he knows he can't take that. He just wants your world to become so small with walls that you've surrounded yourself with so that you will affect nobody and nobody will see the light in your life. That, that your world will become so walled up that it doesn't matter the message that you carry, it doesn't matter the, 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 the hope that you have, that your world will become so small with the walls that you've built around your life that nobody can see the light, but you have a well-lit room. See, he didn't keep the light in the prison cell. See, if the enemy can attack our mind, he can steal our motive, if he can attack our mind, he can steal our message. If he can attack our mind, he can steal our meaning. If he can attack our mind, he can steal our momentum. Yet Paul stands there in this prison cell and he produces life. Small world means little, little light for the, for the world around you. Many walls, many hurts, many regrets means that we can stay lit, but the world around us isn't being affected with the message of Jesus. The walls must come down for the light to come out. Let's break down some walls tonight. We don't need an altar call. We just need a decision. We don't need, we don't need some big, massive, two-hour-long session for that to happen. We just need to say yes. And I'm talking to myself. This is something that... I'm, I've just been thinking about a lot lately, but it's just something that we need to say, yes, God, and back it up with obedience. 
Point number two, the prison can become a platform. I'm confident that the prison can become a platform because that's exactly what Paul used it for. You know those people who find themselves in the most, who, who are in dire situations and yet they're the optimist. Those people, you know those people, you can be broken down, you can be doing whatever. And I remember one moment, we locked someone's keys in the car. I'm like, and I just said these words, I'm like, it was 11.30 at night. It was after I had just been playing a lot of sport. It was somebody else's keys in the car that I locked them in. And I'm like, well, at least it's not raining. And that sort of triggered something. <laughs> like, what do you mean at least it's not raining? It's 11.30 at night. And I felt like the optimist there. A couple of hours later, it was storming and it was literally hailing. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say that next time. <laughs> Poor dad got the phone call to go to Palm Beach. One, I think it was one in the morning. <laughs> he saved us. But you see, those people, the optimists, they can turn that, they can turn that prison into a platform. We've got to be an optimistic church. Because there is a prison that will try to confine you and restrain you and restrain the message within you, restrain the promise within you, and cause you to become, very, to become frail and, and, and doubting and unconfident. But we need to be the optimist <laughs> and say, if God can do it in his life and his life, and his, that's the great thing about church. If you're ever feeling unconfident about the situation you've been in, just look at the lives around you. Find somebody who's been through the very thing that you're walking through. That's why I love church. If we don't know who's any of the, we just need to meet new people, meet more people in this church because there are stories for every single body. It is a library. It is a library of goodness and mercy and grace being fulfilled over every single life. You just need to walk through the, if we walk through the rows right now and everyone was represented as a book, we could have every single different title that we could imagine from the situations that we walk through. And if you're feeling like you need an uplift, if you're feeling like you need a hope, just go meet some new people and talk about the goodness of God and we'll find it. Yeah? The prison can become a platform. You see, while Paul was in prison, he wrote four books. Scholars believe that this book named Ephesians, many scholars, shall I say, believe that it's one of the greatest books he wrote. How do you produce, ready, your greatest work in the prison? Not just average. While he was out of prison, he would have produced works that yet they're not mentioned. It says one of the greatest works was Ephesians and he wrote it in the prison cell. How does God produce that in us? How does He produce that in us? When the walls don't have bearing on our trust in Him, that prison cell can become productivity. You see, Paul turned the prison cell into an office space. And so often we turn the prison cell into a place where we're captive, restrained, and we, and we get down and we get hurt. We get offended at God and we turn away from God. When if we trusted him enough to say, God, I don't know why I'm in this place. I don't know why I'm in this situation, but I'm gonna turn this place into an office space for your glory and your mercy to be at work in my life because I believe that you can create your greatest work even though I stand in the valley of the shadow of death. That's what David said, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I will not fear evil. That is confidence. Confidence. That is confidence beyond reasonable. That's re reasonable. He wasn't even reasonable to say that. 
How can you have confidence in, in the situation, in that circumstance when death is surely there? How can you have confidence in the valley? As Pastor Caleb says, he didn't camp there. <laughs> Realise the prison is not permanent. It's just a season. It's just a season. How does one produce one's finest work in the most seemingly defeated state? How does one produce words of hope and confidence and light and assured victory from within the walls of a prison? How does one find the clarity of mind to remain in the light while standing in the dark? How do we remain in the light while standing in the dark? It's a light that comes from within. It's the light that darkness can't escape. It's the light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter the more we are placed in the darkness that surrounds us. Let's turn our prison cell. Let's turn that situation. Let's turn the situations that we have here tonight into an office space for God's work and God's glory. 2 Corinthians 11, I'm not gonna read the whole verse, but Paul literally says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Only a man who's been redeemed by God's goodness and God's grace can say that. If I'm gonna boast about anything, it's gonna be about everything that shows my weakness. Because in my weakness, I had to turn to his strength. In my weakness, I couldn't rely on my, my, my idea of who God was anymore. I couldn't rely on my experiences of what I think God feels like. I couldn't rely on anything else. I just had to, I just had to be led by him through the prison. See, persistence during the process will lead you to the platform. He produced in the prison cell and it became his platform. You may stand in the prison, but you have to live from the promise. Turn that prison into productivity. And quickly, number three, the darkest place reveals the brightest light. I've already touched on this. But the darker the room, the brighter the light. When the walls come down, when, when, when we're open and honest, when we're, when we're clear with God, when everything comes down and it breaks us to the point where we have nowhere else to turn and we realize that the enemy cannot take, the situation cannot take, we have to, when we can, cannot take the light that is within us, then the brightness of that light becomes so much, so very real. Psalm 23, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost hope, but I didn't lose hope. I would have lost my faith, but I didn't lose my faith. I would have lost this fight, but I didn't lose this fight. I would have lost the plan, but I didn't lose this plan because I pursued the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We must scale the walls of our imprisonment. We must ensure that they come down in order for us to be the light in the dark places, in order for us to be awakened, in order for us to be the light that illuminates in the dark. We must ensure that the walls come down, that we have the confidence to see God move in and through us and to, and to consistently accept 
that where we find ourselves right now may not feel great, but God is good. To consistently say, God, I'm not in a great place, but I know you're always good. I may feel broken, but I know you've made me whole. I may feel restricted, but I know that you made me free. I may feel unworthy, but I know that you made me worthy. I know that I may feel uh, heartache, but you, may, you mend the brokenhearted. I may feel depressed, I may feel sad, but you're the God of joy. Consistently reminding ourselves, training our mind to remain in the confidence of Christ, ensuring that our light isn't dulled, isn't captivated, isn't held captive by the situations of our world. Place us in the darkest atmosphere and the church will only shine brighter. You see, we're no longer walking the journey in our own strength. We're walking it in Christ. We're no longer walking in our own strength when we've got everything together and we're comfortable. But when we're uncomfortable, when we're in the prison cell, when we feel as if we're being restricted, we're then walking it in Christ's power. His power becomes perfected in our weakness. We look to Jesus and we see the exact same. You know where his greatest work was accomplished? On the cross. When he bore our sins, he took it all to the grave and he went to the cross with a cause. With a cause. When he went to the cross, he took it all and he took it all on his shoulders and he, he made us have the ability to be accepted, to be loved, to be in grace and in mercy. Painful, yes. Imprisoned, yes. Tortured, yes. But he remained consistently confident that what he was doing was in the will of God that what he was doing was worth it. Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you that we stand here today, that Lord, in the situations, the circumstances, the places and the spaces that we find ourselves in today, I thank you, Lord, that you're there. God, I thank you that we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know every, every answer to this life situation to trust you, but that we can teach ourselves to trust you even in the doubt, even in the wondering. Lord, I pray for those who feel as if they've been imprisoned. I thank you, Lord, that right now walls would break down in the thought processes, that they would be transformed right now by the renewing of their mind. That, Father God, for those who feel like they've been captivated, captive, held captive, Lord, there's been no platform for your goodness, for your mercy or your grace to flow from their life. I thank you, Lord, that right now you would show them, God, that your goodness will find its way. That prison cell that they've been bound in can become a platform that they can stand on. And I thank you, Lord, that although we may stand in the dark at times, that we remain the light when we have you. I just feel the need right now without anybody looking around, if you... Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you've never been in this service or maybe you've been to church before. I wanna give you an opportunity right now. If you've never made a decision for Christ or maybe you've been wondering about him, 
maybe tonight's been speaking to you. I'd love if you just raise your hand. I'll come talk to you after the service. We've got a team who will get your coffee, answer any questions that you have. But if there's anybody here, would you just raise your hand? One more time. I don't mind waiting. If that is you, friend. Fantastic.